You're listening to Pim Talk, the product marketing podcast, brought to you by InRiver. Welcome to PIM Talk, the podcast for product marketers, merchandisers, and PIM professionals. And every second Tuesday, we come together to share knowledge, experiences, and challenges to be able to create even better product stories. Maybe you're wondering what PIM is. PIM is a software that is all about managing all product marketing information in one place to create a rich customer experience in all channels and shorten time to market. And if you're new to PIM, check out our first episode, What is PIM? I'm your host, Thomas Schwabberg. I'm the creative director at InRiver, and we want to do this podcast for you and with you. So please contact us and tell us what topics you would like us to cover, what guests you would like to have on the show, or maybe you want to contribute in any way. So you can email us at pimtalk at inriver.com or send a message on Twitter at pimtalkpodcast. Happy New Year, and I hope that you have had a great holiday. Welcome back to PIM Talk. I'm excited to continue this journey together with you to learn more from our great customer and partner community and from industry experts so we can be better PIM users, better product marketeers. And I'm very excited as well for this episode. We are joined by Matilda and David from Dometic. They are very skilled professionals in um, each of their fields, and we can learn a lot from the journey that they have been through, and this will be packed with a lot of useful insights, and um, yeah, why not get right into it? So here it is, the PIM Talk of this week. Today, I want to say a warm welcome to David Fuentes and Matilda Hansson from Dometic. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So, could you start just uh, telling me about uh, Dometic and yourself? I don't know who, who wants to tell the story about Dometic and what you are doing. Since I'm working in marketing, I will start. Okay. My name is Matilda Hansson. I work as a digital product manager at Dometic. Dometic is a global company that provides solutions to satisfy people's essential needs when living mobile. Uh, we offer products within the product areas climate, food and beverage, hygiene and sanitation, and power and control. Our motivation is that the products we offer should be smart and reliable and have a, an outstanding design. Today we operate in 28 manufacturing assembly sites and we sell our products in approximately 100 countries. We are 9,000 uh, employees and reported last year a turnover of 14 billion sick, which we will exceed substantially this year. Right. So uh, just a question here first. Uh, what is your bestseller? What, what is the flagship product from Dometic? Well, currently we have something called a CFX cooler. This is the product that people internally, at least, breathe and live for. Uh, it's a portable cooler and it can freeze down to minus 24 degrees Celsius and you can take it wow. basically everywhere. 
Uh, Independent of the surrounding temperature. Yes. So right. if you want to spend time mobile, then this is the product that will keep you well fed, at least. Okay. It was for food. Food and drinks. Food and drinks. Yeah. Sounds great. And uh, David, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself? My name is uh, David Fuentes. Uh, I work within Domestic IT. I work a lot with most data and information processes within the company, mainly. I'm the one who, who, who set up the River environment together with uh, an ex- external con- consultant who helped out with the, with the consolidation of the, of the data that we have in the PIM system. Yeah, so you, you were a part of the project from the start, right? Yeah, basically. So what led up to you implementing a PIM or, or how did the, the situation or your world look like before? I, I know that you have had quite a yearning. Yes, so in, in 2015, uh, the group management and the board of directors decided to reposition the brand and also to pr- make a brand consolidation. So we went from 15 brands down to one. And uh, the timeline was actually communicated before we knew about the project. So we had 234 days to actually rebrand the whole company. And that included all of our then 22 factories, everything from signage on buildings to office supplies to online destination and uh, sales materials in store. All right. So the result was not only a change of a logotype, it was the complete brand platform and position of the brand. And I mean, with that many brands, you you must have had several digital platforms like CMS systems and similar. How, how did that situation look like before for you? I'm glad you brought that up because we actually had three PIM systems, nine oh. e-commerce sites, 10 hosting locations, 17 CMS systems, plus 100 websites with 500 domains. And we had uh, more than 65 social media accounts. And all of them were quite poorly administrated. So how did you decide what things to you know, proceed with or uh, what to kill, more or less? It was a combination of different things. For the PIM uh, solution that we went with, there was, of course, an extensive RFP. Uh, the same for the CMS system and the hosting providers that we decided on. Today, now... When we launched after those 234 days, we had one PIM system, which is then in River, uh, one hosting provider, one CMS system, one translation agency, and three social media accounts. So the, the effort that we did would actually reduce cost but increased efficiencies for the company as a whole. Sounds almost too easy, right? Yes, it <laughs> Just sounds very easy. We have to say that also that uh, the main PIM system that we have previously uh, was uh, really poorly managed in the sense that uh, we had a, a little bit more than 3,000 attributes for each product, or not for each product, but for for the products. And, uh, and there were no control about the, the, the product information there, so everybody could actually go in there and enter something. Was it uh, something that you developed yourself, or was it like a third party? No, it was a it was a platform. purchased uh, PIM system. We got rid of that, and then we consolidated all these attributes to 
about 250 attributes per record. And we had a validation round, actually. We had several validation rounds because we had so many products. So we had to send them out to the product owner who themselves actually delegated the, the, the information checking. And I think you have a challenge that quite many uh, companies have out there that you have a quite broad range of products, right? With a lot of product attributes, as you mentioned, and you need to find some way of managing it and, uh, you know, also leverage all the product knowledge that, that, that is within the company in some way. So how were you able to improve how, how you recorded all of these um, attributes? I think that there's uh, also a combination of, of things that has led us to where we are. So if, to start, there was no possibility for us, for instance, to change the deadline of the rebranding project. We had a set deadline and we just had to work from there. So we only had one day to strive for. And I think that was key for the project success that we together with the management decision was had a truly clear communicated objective with the rebranding. And that a part of that was to launch then a website that was based on one PIM system, one CMS system, one translation agency and so forth. But when we started the journey, it's important to understand that the, the, the level of consistency and the quality differed between both our three regions, but also on a market level, because in the past, everyone had the possibility to do their own thing. So we had okay. both already competent people uh, internally, but then we also took away a lot of creativity, um, which led to consistency. Consistency okay. in positioning the brand as we wanted and, and presenting our products as we wanted. So by actually removing those... Uh, PIM systems that we had and create a new one led to that we only had one one base of information, one source of information, uh, which has been key for us. Uh, I think it is, it's, it's very important to try to find the common denominator for, for the whole product range to start with and then start from that and then build up for, for, um, uh, when it comes to different product areas. You need for example, for all the electrical products, we need to have electrical information. Then you start to build up with attributes that are really necessary for the particular product area and product group and so on and so forth. So you start yeah. with a, a very small set of attributes and then you, st you start to increase it. Because we we managed to consolidate the 3,000 attributes to 250, but now we have increased it to around 300. Yeah, but it's still a big difference. Yeah, it's still a big difference, but... but uh, what we do also, and more or less regularly, is to do some kind of a data profiling of the data we have in the River PIM. So uh, we are checking how much these attributes are being used. So uh, we still have uh, a couple of attributes that we, we, we have been requested to, to enter, but they're not being used at all. So we then we, we clean up the, the, the data information also because it's not there's no purpose of having a lot of attributes that will not be used. Yeah. And if we have attributes that we have uh, small usage, uh, uh, we actually ask the, 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 the responsible persons if they really need it or not. 
if they do need right. it, then we need to have it, of course. But uh, yeah, but I think that's really cool, and I think that is something that uh, I think a lot of company could could learn from because usually you want all kinds of information in there from the beginning and you add a lot of attributes as you say but but i mean if if they are not used you should really take them away until until you need them because it's so much noise uh, within the system with information with all the the gaps that are are just um, taking unnecessary focus so PIM is not just um, like a modeling challenge or, or a, a technical challenge. It's very much to, to get this um, accepted within the organization and to roll it out. And as you said, you've been able to to create a lot of consistency within your company. But I mean, it, it must have been quite a lot of effort. So c- could you tell us a little bit about the adoption internally? Uh, how many people do you have working in the PIM? What different roles do they have? And how did you manage to roll this out within uh, such a big company as yourself? Uh, well, we did. We, start, we started with the, with, the, with the attribute consolidation to start with. And then as soon as we, uh, we started to populate in River PIM, uh, we actually did some kind of a world tour. Okay, sounds nice. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course, it's always nice if you want to know about uh, airports and industrial areas. It's, <laughs> it's excellent. So, and we went to all the, uh, basically all the, the mark, uh, not all the sites, but we actually gathered people to from all regions, uh, most data responsible, and we uh, had training in river training for them and uh, as this was more more or less a decision from management it was forced upon them that okay this is the system that you will be working with and then we actually implemented that all the new item numbers are to be born in the river system so that more or less forces everybody that creates a product to enter the system and to enter the product hierarchy and the and the and the mandatory data in in River PIM to start with now, so we we kind of create a, a an habit of working within in River Okay, so it it wasn't just a nice to have thing that you could go in and and maybe add some information. You were actually forced to create the information in the River in order to have a product that could actually go to market at all. Exactly, yeah. and to add on to that. PIM is not only our source for our digital channels. PIM is also a source for everything we create, for instance, within marketing. So if we create catalogs, brochures, or leaflets, or sales data sheets, then we create that from PIM. If we create in-store material for customers and retailers, we produce that with content from InRiver. And if we produce videos, product videos, we do it with the key features from our PIM system. So everything is born from PIM, which also forces everyone to use PIM and also to keep PIM updated and in a good, in a good quality. Yeah. Yeah. And then we can say that we have the product hierarchy, the financial product hierarchy is actually in PIM also, and it's uh, interfaced from PIM to our financial reporting system. So if you if you have a product that doesn't have a product hierarchy, in the reporting you will have a missing product hierarchy information, so you don't know which product area this belongs to. So you okay. need to have the product there to actually get the product hierarchy in to be able to follow up in a consistent way with uh, with our uh, financial reporting also. 
Interesting. So in that way, we guide the company to work more against PIM in in, in not uh, so intrusive way that saying that you have to do this, otherwise you get fired. But it's more like if you do this, <laughs> you will be able to have better reporting. You will be able to have better product information. You, I mean, yeah. that's it's more guiding the, the, the different part of the company to work more with PIM than actually forcing them with, yeah. with we have force. we have the product information there through the whole product life cycle when it is created when it's sold and after it's sold for reporting but we also have a complete circle of what we use pim data for so we don't yeah. utilize it only for one or two things we utilize it for everything everything related to products You're listening to PIM Talk, the product marketing podcast. And after this short break, we're going to get back to David and Matilda. And they're going to tell us how many users they have and the different roles working in the system. And they have a lot. PIM stands for Product Information Management. And InRiver stands for PIM. Want to learn more about how your organization can benefit from PIM software? We've put together a free white paper where you can learn what you need to know about how your e-commerce platform can benefit from PIM. Go to www.pimtalk.com to download a free guide to help you better understand how PIM can work for you. That's www.pimtalk.com. So you mentioned you you traveled around the world and uh, you educated your your colleagues, uh, but what what kind of roles and uh, how many people are actually working within the PIM today? We have around three hundred uh, accounts with different okay. roles. So we have the initial roles that are the most important, not not the most important, but that are important are the the most data responsible. Those are the ones that enters the technical data and then we have the media manager that res- are responsible for the for the marketing data and the product uh, pictures photos and all the product information that goes out to the web uh, those are the most important roles that we have and then we have other roles like uh, uh, catalog production people uh, that need to uh, use uh, need to have uh, accounts because they the extract the data from from Pim via the, the uh, InDesign plugin. Okay. Uh, we have a product manager that goes goes in and, and, and checks the data. We have um, uh, administra- administrator that go in and, and validate mm-hmm. uh, data models and work with data models. There's a question that we get quite often, how you work with approval in a good way. And, and I mean, what things to check for and how you do the approval or so. How, how does that process look for look like for you when it comes to approval when you come uh, talking about data and, and data information you have different type of approval we, we have the different type because we have the technical data that we have to make sure that the technical data is actually accurate and correct and then we have the the marketing data uh, which is uh, we have to make sure that the, the tone of voice and all that uh, information is correct and is is uh, written in a domestic so to say tone of voice 
So we have different approval steps with checkbox within the products. I don't know if they are still... Yes. So for for instance, for marketing content, we have something called marketing status. Uh, A product can be market text ready. It can be market resource ready, but it can also be market content approved. For that status, the media managers and I approve all data. And that's after a number of steps is uh, is completed or executed upon that can be uh, creating content together with product managers so we have the right data sending it through copywriting so we have the correct tone of voice applying all resources to the product or item to make sure that we have a complete set of information for the product and then sending for translation and ensuring that we have uh, 100% proofread translations for all of our products. First, then, is a product approved, and it can only be approved by a set of rules that we have in PIN. Okay. And we have the same for the technical data, that the technical data has been approved and by, a, by a product manager that knows okay. about the technical information because they have to go in and see that the marketing text doesn't contain any factual error. We have those cases sometimes, especially when it comes to this CFX super box that we have. <laughs> uh, when you go up into the versions and, and you buy the high-end version, which is the CFX 95, I think is the biggest one. Mm-hmm. No, 100. 100? <laughs> okay, Mach 100. That, that can actually be used both as a fridge and a freezer. The no, same. that's the 95. That's the 95. Uh, but if you put that information in a CFX 50, for example, then it's not correct because it's either you use it as a freezer where you go really deep down in the temperature or you use it as a fridge, then you don't go out down so, 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 so much in the temperature. But you can't use it as both. And we have had that, this is only an example, but we have had that information when the marketing says this is a fridge freezer. And I think that since we use... PIM for so many different channels, both online and offline, we get really good input as well from our colleagues when something isn't right or when we should change something. So we have, even if it's not outspoken, there is some kind of an internal process because when we're launching products or publishing products in different channels, if something's wrong, our colleagues will let us know because PIM source is used for everything. So if it's wrong in PIM, it's wrong everywhere. So there's an additional quality step to make the internal people happy with the content that we create. Yeah, exactly. All the errors that you find benefits all channels using PIM. Yeah, and and we have very, very competent salespersons within the different areas that are basically specialists in their areas, and they are very keen on actually finding errors. Depending on how many errors you find in the PIM, you get an extra month, but no. Since you're a worldwide company, as we have mentioned, uh, and sell products on several markets, you have your content translated in many languages. And I know, Matilda, that this is a topic where you have a lot of insights. So maybe you could share a little bit about how the process uh, looks like, how many languages you're actually working with, and uh, maybe some smart things that you have uh, run across on the way as well. Sure. So uh, before our rebranding project, we handled translation both on a regional level, but also on a market level. So we had several of translation providers 
Uh, and through our rebranding, we decided to have one global agency. Uh, and uh, that agency was actually uh, the talker of the last PIM talk. Yeah. <laughs> so you may find them there in the last episode. <laughs> Fighting it out towards three other in in an epic battle, <laughs> so you have to listen to it. Otherwise, you you will not know who it was or who won the game. Okay, sorry, continue. So we have a translation for twenty four languages, but thirty four markets. So we have dialects or versions of a language. For instance, we have a difference between translation of English US, English UK, English Australian, English Chinese. Uh, so we have a lot of variations of English, for instance, but we have 24 different languages that we translate into. And uh, we have a highly automated process for us in PIM. It's basically to check a box. Uh, on a product and all the product content will be sent for translation. Uh, the translation is picked up from a plugin and is made available after translation to a number of internal reviewers. Those reviewers is, uh, is of course, domestic employees that will make sure that the translation is in branch, branch standard and has a, is using the right terminology. Uh, once they have approved it, it's, it gets saved in our translation memory and updated in PIM. So today we actually have an 81% translation memory, which means that we are actually only invoiced on 19% of everything that we translate. And we translated last year 24 million words, Whoa. which is a huge amount of words. I, I guess that translation memory uh, can bear its costs, right? <laughs> it's worth a fortune. Yes, considering that we did things on a regional and local level prior to the rebranding, we have actually both increased quality but also reduced cost. And uh, we have done small things to make sure that we have a consistency and uh, in both content and, and translation. So we have actually something called the market content lock. So okay. when we consider that a product is completed to 100% in quality, both through uh, editing by regional employees internally and also approved and copyrighted, then we lock our products down so they can't be updated. Okay, so me as a regular user and I want to go in and edit the text or so, I can't do it. No. So That's hard. <laughs> it limits some of the creativity, which can be good sometimes. Uh, people can't really do whatever they want in the PIM system. Of course, if something is, can be improved or is wrong, we unlock the product and then update the content and resend for translation. But we had the cases before we implemented the lock that a product could be updated 24 times within half a year and sent for translation every time, uh, which both doesn't free up a lot of time internally, but also gives us an extra, extra cost for translation. So we decided to have a market content lock and we can see a, a big difference in the way that we edit and uh, and uh, maintain content in PIM. Okay. 
So that also sounds like a good tip. Uh, when an, a product is 100% complete, maybe you should con consider to lock it down in order to, you know, uh, preserve consistency and maybe in some cases also, um, you know, reduce cost. David, I know that you're quite involved in the new product project that you have internally around master data and uh, and that also some of the information today where we actually have the use the PMS master data resource will move out to another layer. Am I correct? Yes. We are implementing an yeah. MDM system, uh, which is will be part of all our uh, big program where we are consolidating our internal ERPs into one system. So we will... Uh, uh, break out the master data management into a separate MDM system within the company. Okay. So we will store basically a core set of attributes in the master yeah. data system. Yeah, because master data, I mean, it can mean quite a lot and you have different kinds of, of, of data. So, so what different systems do you have internally to store different kinds of data? And, and what would you say is the best practice in, in each system? When it comes to, to master data, we have different uh, systems, usually within a company that are um, uh, creating, maintaining, validating, and so on and so forth, master data. And uh, in general, you have the ERP system, which m most of the companies have, and, and that data, that uh, and actually mo a lot of companies uses us the master data, uh, main master data system. Uh, but uh, an ERP is actually uh, created to generate master data that is time-specific. Uh, uh, for example, invoices, uh, transit uh, documents, sales orders, and uh, price uh, information for a product. Uh, that data is actually only valid for, for a certain time span because then you usually change the prices, the cost, you change the cost depending on the production and uh, transit information is only valid through the transit. The sales order is only valid as long as the sales order is open and so on and so forth. So uh, the ERP is, is are, are mainly for that purposes. And then you have the PIM system, which is a product information uh, system, which is um, uh, the purpose of that type of system is to have a consistent uh set of data uh, that you spread out in different channels. M maybe a web uh, site, uh, a catalog system to uh, supplier or, or not supplier, to, to dealer sites and so on. And the data looks the same. The images looks the same. Doesn't matter where you, you go in, uh, you, you get the same information for the product. The same description, the same specifications, and so on and so forth also. And then you have a master data system, which is the master data system's purpose is actually to consolidate, gather the data, to consolidate the data, to validate and, uh, and maybe enrich depending on business rules. And then you have, uh, you distribute the data uh, via the integration. And usually you only have a small core set of attributes in the master data that describes the product throughout the, the, the whole uh, system landscape. So, uh, I mean, when it comes to master data, there are quite many large platforms out there. What, what technology have you chosen in this case? 
Uh, we have chosen to use Microsoft uh, master data uh, services that is it's a part of the Microsoft SQL Server Enterprise Suite. Okay, so that was a part of uh, like a, a software solution that you already had yeah. within the company. Yeah. So basically what you get is a framework where, where you, have, uh, you, you have a staging area, you have a, a, a tool to create validation rules, business rules, and all that type, type of information. You can use in River, you can use the, an ERP for, that, for this also, but then you need to customize it. To, to be yeah. able to valid to have all the correct validations, you have okay. uh, you have simple validation always in, in both ERP and the PIM when when you create uh, reference tables. Then that is a kind of validation select, telling you that uh, whatever data you want to have in this uh, field has to be one of the set of of the data you have in the reference table. That is also some kind of validation. But then you can have more complex validation saying that if it if it is uh, from this product area, then you need to have this uh, particular field filled in with a data range that it are, is within this span. You can have a lot of different, more complex business rules in the master data system. You can even have algorithm that, that, that uh, interprets, for example, uh, within the company, you may, you may want to have a, a, all the addresses written out in the same way. Then you can, but addresses are very common. You can even, you know, you can abbreviate them a lot. But you can have yeah. an algorithm that detects these abbreviations and, and, and actually write it out in the way the company wants to have it. Same All with right. phone numbers, uh, social security numbers, personal numbers, uh, all that kind of numbers that are written out in, a, in, a, in the same way. Then you have these business rules that can actually help you with that within the MDS cool. systems. So I guess that is similar that you have a lot of systems that reference product information and you might want to normalize it as well so you can refer it in the same way and, and match it and and so. Yeah. So when looking at your website, I mean, you have a lot of product content there. So c could you tell us a little bit about the, the background and how you think when it comes to produce uh, all of that content? So when we uh, start making product content, we categorize our products into a traditional good, better, best strategy. So our best products are present presented uh, more in depth with more lifestyle imagery and assets such as product videos and featured uh, images and so forth. And for maybe a good product, we have less information, all necessary information, but maybe for a cable, it's not necessary to have a lifestyle video. So we have around 15 different components. So we use a modular system to build up our product page. So for a best product, we use a certain amount of components and for a better product, we use a certain amount. And for a good product, we use certain amount. Uh, and we try to think that our best products, of course, should have more lifestyle oriented assets and, and, and materials. So uh, we always start from top down. So from top of the page, we think about imagery and videos and lifestyle material. And the further down the page you go, the more detail it gets. So on okay. the end of the page, you will have the specifications and technical documentation. So the first thing you see is actually in the same way you dream. So 
you dream in imagery and videos, you don't dream in, in text. So if you want to find out more details about the product, then you will find that later down on the page. Of course, we have internal linking on the product pages. So if you want to see specifications directly, you can jump down to the page in a click. So I think we have covered quite a lot here. Your journey from the beginning, how you have rolled out this uh, to the organization. I mean, uh, how you create content, uh, the work processes, translations. Uh, we've talked about MDM even uh, and uh, how you divide, um, how you distinguish in between good, better, best products and so on. I don't know, what would you like to hear about in another episode of PIM Talk? Is there any specific topic or area that would be interested interesting for you to hear more about? Yes. <laughs> so the future for Dometic is, of course, uh, that we acquire new companies and brands that we integrate into our systems. So this is a challenge for us in the future. And it would be very nice to hear best practices of people that do this in a very frequent, frequent uh, time. So uh, to hear the rules and uh, uh, and uh, good the to process. know, yeah, the processes of how they integrate uh, other product brands and companies in a fast manner. Okay, so I'll try to find some predators out there that eats companies on a regular basis. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you can put it like that. <laughs> yeah. So, David, do you have any other things that you would like us to dive deeper into in another episode? Yeah. Being a, a master data nerd, I always want to know uh, how to increase data quality and maintaining data quality uh, both with processes, systems, techniques, and all that type of information. I, I'm always trying to learn new ways to actually improve data quality and uh, and the integrity within the companies. So if there is any any chance of having something like that in the future, that would be very interesting. Great. So this has been very interesting. Thank you so much for uh, willing to participate uh, in PIM Talk. And uh, see you around. Perfect. See you. Thanks. <laughs> see you. So it's a new year and also it might be a good time to freshen up your knowledge around the InRiver Product Marketing Cloud. Uh, we will have partner trainings coming up um, January 16 and 17 in Malmö, Sweden, both for business consultants and developers. Uh, we have the same trainings in Amsterdam, February 12th to 13, and in Chicago, March 14 to 15. We also have User Academy coming up uh, February 20 in Amsterdam, February 2021 in Chicago and March 13 in Malmö. So a lot of things on that part. And then there is something really exciting coming up. Of course, I'm talking about the Pinpoint Summit of 2019 here in Malmö, Sweden. So last year we gathered around 700 participants in Malmö Live. Um, this year we are going even bigger to Slaktuset in Malmö where we are planning of gathering 1000 participants from our customer and partner community so we can take part of all the latest thing around PIM, listen to interesting keynotes, uh, participating in workshops, meeting each other, exchanging our experiences with each other and of course PIM Talk will be there as well as a part of that. 
And if you're a marketeer, if you're interested in PIM or product marketing, this is definitely an event that you can't miss. There will be so many opportunities to learn more, to network, to meet partners, to uh, go to interesting sessions. And uh, it's really a good investment of your time. So I hope that I will see you there. It will be on April 4th and 5th and uh, you can register already and I think you should do that because you will have a 50% discount until the 31st of January if you enter the discount code EARLYBIRD19 as one word when you registered. So EARLYBIRD19 you will get 50% off the Pinpoint Summit entrance fee and I really hope uh, to see you at Pinpoint. And pinpointsummit.com is the website to go. You can also talk to your InRiver contact. They will show you in the right direction. What you want to talk about? Thank you for listening. For feedback, tips and questions, you can email us at pimtalk at inriver.com or message us at pimtalkpodcast at Twitter. Please, if you like the show, go into iTunes and give us a good review. And if you would like to see some behind-the-scenes material, bloopers and live streams, you can follow Pim Talk on Instagram. See you again in two weeks. Bye. Ah!